No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Saul's father Kish loses his donkeys, but this is an opportunity for God to show him something he would have never imagined. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. Isn't it strange what a day can hold? We begin our day thinking one thing. We think that we have our day planned. We think we know what to expect, but none of us really knows what a day will hold. And we can be surprised. We head out the door thinking one thing, but then circumstances occur that completely change our path. Sometimes it leaves us bamboozled, other times pleasantly surprised. Behind all these circumstances is the invisible hand of God. And today we examine the story of a life that one day was changed forever along with an entire nation. We pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 9. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerar, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Kish was from the tribe of Benjamin, a mighty man of power. In other words, he was rich. His son, Saul, was good-looking, tall, and well-built. The people wanted a king, and God was giving them a man who was physically impressive. Why? Because man looks on the outside. Now, the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise. Go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalashah, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. No doubt for Saul, this was a day like any other day, except for the fact that two of his dad's donkeys were missing. So Kish sent Saul to go looking for them and told him to take one of the servants. They searched through the mountains of Ephraim and the land of Benjamin, but they could not find the donkeys anywhere. It can be frustrating to lose something and not be able to find it, whether it's your car keys, your dog, or maybe an important document that you just can't remember where you put it. Saul and his servant never found the donkeys. But he was obedient to his father and searched diligently, proving that he wasn't a quitter. Now, when they had come to the land of Zaph, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Look, now there's in the city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Saul 
lived less than 10 miles away from Samuel's hometown of Ramah. Now, how was it that he had never heard of him? We don't know. It would seem that, like so many people today, spiritual things weren't a big priority for Saul. He wasn't an atheist. He was just busy with the temporal or the secular things of life and wasn't involved much in religious things. He was like many people today who only come to church on Christmas and Easter. Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. A quarter of a shekel was worth about a day's wage. They felt that they should offer Samuel something for helping them locate the donkeys. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Now this is interesting. The role of the prophet would become very important in Israel, especially as the people wanted a king. For God would communicate with the prophet, and the prophet would communicate with the king. Before the prophets were called prophets, they were called seers. Now that makes sense, because they could see things that others couldn't see, whether by visions or dreams or words from the Lord. The person who is living and walking in the Spirit always sees more than the person living and walking in the flesh. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Those who would lead others in the kingdom of God must be spiritual. That is the only way that they can do it. They must be filled with, led by, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. One of the main reasons, I believe, for the impotence in the church today in comparison to the early church in Acts is because its leaders today are operating in the weakness of the flesh rather than in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, Yes, there he is just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to the city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up for about this time you will find him. So they went up to the city. As they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. It's interesting that these young women told them to hurry, but then gave them a very long answer to a very simple question, is the seer here? Were they trying to spend a little bit more time with this tall, good-looking man and his servant? Now, in the law, God told the people that sacrifices were only to be offered in the place where he put his name and where the tabernacle would be set up. 
For over 300 years, that was in Shiloh. But when the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines and Eli the high priest and his two sons died, a central worship place no longer existed. So sacrifices were now being made at the high places. Now this was dangerous because that was where the pagans also sacrificed to their gods. And once again, the lines of distinction between God's people and the world were being blurred. We must beware of blurring the lines of distinction between the church and the world. We are called in the church to be a special people who are set apart for God. If there is no visible distinction between us and the world in our worship, lifestyle, ethics, and character, then something is desperately wrong. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The church has always been strongest when it has stood apart from the world and called people out of the world, and yet had a deep and compassionate love for sinners. Verse 15, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? Now, when God is working, he prepares both sides. He brought Saul to Samuel, and he spoke to Samuel about Saul. God cared about his people even when their desire for a king was his permissive will rather than his perfect will. He would use Saul to deliver his people from the oppression of the Philistines. The reason was because the people were crying out to God. Now, we may think we cry alone, but our falling tears rise up to heaven. Heaven hears the heart that breaks. I'm also amazed here how clearly God spoke into the ear of Samuel, telling him that on the next day, the new commander of Israel would come to him and that he would be from the tribe of Benjamin. And then when Samuel saw Saul, God said, this is the man who will reign over my people. I would love to have such clear direction from the Lord. I know people who say that the Lord tells them this or that, but then I see that the things God supposedly tells them don't line up with the word or don't work out or are needlessly offensive to others. So I doubt that that's really God speaking to them. But Saul heard very clearly the Lord speak very specifically. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. 
and on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? The donkeys were merely a device to move Saul where God wanted him to be. Listen, the next time things don't seem to be going your way, and I know it's frustrating, but take note. Maybe God is intervening through circumstances you don't like to do something wonderful for you. We talk about a blessing in disguise, and that's what this was for Saul. Samuel revealed that he knew what was in Saul's heart by addressing Saul's concern about the donkeys before he mentioned it. Likewise, God knows all that is in your heart. Jesus said that your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. David said to the Lord, you know my thoughts from afar off. That is, God knows what we think before we even think it. Samuel also revealed that all the desire of Israel was on Saul and his father's house. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? If only Saul would have kept this position of humility, the record of his life would have read much differently. When we've committed our lives to Christ, then he owns all our ways. He is using circumstances in your life to get you where he wants you to be so that he can do in you and through you what he wants to do. Walking with God is the greatest adventure you'll ever know. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will see where Samuel anoints Saul to be king and God gives Saul a new heart. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel on Simply the Bible.